So we hear tonight, obviously, the famous parable of the prodigal son. What do we have here? We've got one son's kind of a free spirit, very self-centered, selfish, kind of a black sheep, goes off, does his own thing, gets into trouble. You got another son, dutiful, seemingly obeys the father, but spends his life bitter and resentful because of that. You have an overly indulgent father, and I didn't hear a word about the mom anywhere. I think this should be called the prodigal of the dysfunctional family. (laughs) And the reason I'm mentioning that is simply because, and I get it, the the dad in the parable is, is God, and that's how we should read it. But at the end of the day, the real question is, the prodigal son didn't roll out of bed in the morning and say, how can I be more prodigal today, right? The resentful older son didn't get up that morning and say, how can I be more resentful and bitter towards my dad and my brother? We become who we become for a lot of different reasons. And let's be brutally honest, our families have a huge amount to do with that. Our strengths and our blessings, as well as our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities. I'm not just saying this because we celebrated Family Day over at the seminary today. But it is wonderful, right? Whenever you get a group of families together, when you know someone, maybe as their co-workers or whatever, and then all of a sudden you meet their families. Anyone going into a marriage, certainly get to know your in-laws. You learn so much about a person by seeing them interact with their families. And there's so many positives and struggles and challenges and graces in any family that I don't even think we should call them dysfunctional families. We should just say families because there's no perfect version of that. But how we understand real key concepts in the spiritual life, they're formed by family relationships, oftentimes before they're formed by anything else. We can talk about love as much as we want. And obviously, in the church, we talk about love a lot. God is love. God loves us, love one another. But as soon as you or I hear that word, we're immediately filtering it through our own sense of what love has looked like. Who taught you how to love? Was it a positive experience? Was it maybe not so great? Yet the word love was was used, and yet your experience was maybe anything but lovely. Forgiveness, generosity, all those wonderful terms that are deep, deep in the Christian tradition but we learn what they mean from the people in our lives first, then we can broaden that understanding to be sure. And a lot of times where we learn it is in our families. What made the prodigal son the prodigal son? Well, there's a lot that goes into that, certainly. But as he has come to understand the role of his father, that's the product of a lot of influences and a lot of choices. For some reason, He grew up being comfortable with that self-centered nature, comfortable with maybe not being as grateful as he could be or appreciative of what his father had for him. A selfishness probably not driven by wanting to hurt his father. It's as if his father is irrelevant. Everything's irrelevant because this is what I want to do and I'm going to go do it. Well, he became that way for a reason. But the result of that is that when he looks at his father, he's not even seeing who his father truly is. That's very evident. 
What he's seeing is this projection of the man that he's come to understand. And parents here, maybe you have some insights into, well, why does someone turn out that way? And some of it, I guess, is just how we're wired. But we also have to be honest in family dynamics, all kinds of things come into play. Where you're at in the family, oldest, middle child, I'm the youngest, we're the golden children, so we tell everyone else what their problems are. But that matters, right? There's a reason why all those little stereotypes exist, because there's more than an ounce of truth in them. And how about the older son? Not able to see his father for who his father really is. And why? Well, lots of things go into being the older son, and the oldest children here know that sense of responsibility sometimes put upon him, whatever, we're not given the backstory in the parable. But my point is simply, if you have the older son looking at the father so differently than the younger son, there are reasons behind that. And so if we want to take this from just being a parable that tells us how generous and over-the-top God's love is, and that's a beautiful thing to take away, but we've been hearing that one forever. If we really want to take this and maybe have it make us a little bit perhaps uncomfortable enough to say, Lord, I want to see you perhaps more accurately than I am, then we've got to ask ourselves, how do I see God? And how was that shaped by the people in my life? And our families are a pretty good place to start. And this isn't about laying blame on anyone, nor overly laying all the praise on just one person. But it's saying things like, well, how do I understand love? How was I taught to love? Because then when I heard about the love of God, what did that mean for me? How did I translate that? And if we've struggled to know love, maybe we've struggled to know love from pretty early on in life, and we're accomplished, and we're pleasant, and we get along just fine in the world. But if we're totally honest, maybe we know deep down all this love talk about God sometimes rings a little bit hollow because we want it, but maybe we haven't known it. Then a great spiritual exercise in this week one of growth or week now of the rest of your life, it's a great opportunity just to say, all right, if somehow I've struggled to know what these beautiful words in our Christian language have meant, generosity, love, peace. And if somehow that's maybe getting in the way of how I understand how God is working in my life, then I want to name it. I want to bring it out. That's what the Father does for both of these sons. He literally forces them to take a look at how they see Him. Now, for me, the beauty of this parable is that Jesus never tells us the rest of the story. Did they even go into the party? Well, presumably they did. But if they're real human beings and not just caricatures, it probably wasn't a night and day switch. Maybe the prodigal son was saying, man, if it's this easy, I'm going to go off for a few more uh, stints. And the older son, you know, what finally got him into the party? Did he go instantly? It usually doesn't happen that quickly. It takes time. We know that in our families. We know that in our human relationships. And we shouldn't kid ourselves. We go to God with the very same minds and hearts that we go to one another with. And so it takes patience, but it takes courage, and it takes deliberation. 
And maybe tonight, as St. Joe's is inviting us to take a fresh look at our own spiritual lives, maybe this is a great opportunity in this week of the parable of the prodigal son, simply to kind of look at two things and say, you know, where do I feel like I have a really accurate, a really clear understanding of who God is? Where is my lived experience resonating with everything I've heard in the hymns and the prayers and the scriptures? And when I hear those things proclaimed, I'm just this deep sense of, yeah, that's who God is for me. Then a beautiful little exercise is just say a prayer of gratitude. And after you pray the gratitude, then talk about it with someone, someone in your life, maybe someone in your family, to thank them for having helped you get that insight. Maybe share it with someone in the family, perhaps, who you know didn't get the same message for whatever reason they didn't. We know that about each other in our families. Who got what and why? But the other thing to ask is, is there something in my heart that I know isn't the way I want it to be? And again, if I'm brutally honest, maybe I can trace this back to some resentment or hurt that I've refused to let go of or forgive in my family. And families can be very broad. For some people, those are foster homes. For some people, that's on the streets. For most of us, it's with our biological parents and brothers and sisters, but we're all raised by someone. And to really be honest enough and say, you know, this part of my heart just isn't right and to acknowledge that that's getting in the way of God the Father's love. That's getting in the way of our ability to really live out all these great words that we can sing and pray over and read in the Scripture. And so with courage then just to say, you know, Lord, I want to see you, right? Like that opening hymn, I want to see with the eyes of my heart, but I want to see you how you really are. I don't want my experience of love to be clouded by the hurt that I've felt. I don't want to feel stingy with my forgiveness because I never really learned how to forgive in the truest sense of the word. We can't just change that magically for ourselves. That's why grace matters. So make that a prayer. Gratitude for where you do see the Lord in his true beauty and glory. Prayer for courage where we know we need to have more clarity for where we need to name what isn't quite right. And so often our families are the sources of the beauty and the sources of the struggle. And the last thing I'll just say is if all this grow language means anything, it's not just about us personally. What does it mean to grow as a parish? If you have dysfunctional families, you have dysfunctional archdioceses. And in what ways are we as a parish, perhaps, prodigal with the Father's love? What would it mean for us to say, because of our blessings, because of our struggles, yes, this is how we really embody the love of the Father, but also because of our struggles, because of our resentments, because of the blinders that sometimes can come upon us as a community, this is where we don't see or live out the Father's love or generosity. And what does that look like for us as a community. Blessings, curses, families. 
They make us prodigal, they make us loving, they make us respectful, and sometimes they make us hurt and wounded. To name those things is how we avail ourselves of all the love and glory the Father has to offer. But you've got to be honest, and you've got to start with what's really in your heart.